I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and a warm welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode 36, part two, where we're shining the spotlight on our 2024 Launchpad internship scheme that is currently taking applications. If you listen to part one, we got into it with former interns, Tanisha Nagavadia, junior previs artist, Alex Rabbit, Environment TD, and Devon Lighting TD, Christian Morales Malava. So without any further delay, we ask you to kick back and enjoy episode 36, part two of the Framestore podcast, our Launchpad special. So we're going to get into the kind of latter part of the podcast now where we're talking about all the kind of mentoring stuff, lessons learned, um, advice, all that kind of, you know, the kind of communication skills stuff. But um, my next question is, what's the most important lesson you've learned over your career? What's been a big learning curve? So I'm trying to think who, who we started with last time. So I'm going to start, actually, I'll start with Tanisha, as we've just talked about previous. So what's the, what's your big learning lesson over your career to date? so i would say technically it would be animation um because as i said that was something i was actually the least experienced in out of all the things um and i like to say that my animation has improved and i think there's always room for improvement but that Mm -hmm. was like on the internship it definitely felt like a really steep learning curve but thanks to everyone's help like my mentors and other colleagues and stuff like i've learned a lot Mm -hmm. and and i'm understanding it a lot better than i did before as well okay but what is it about that animation learning curve what was the thing within that step by step that was the big lesson what was the kind of oh wow I didn't know that or wow that's the thing that I wasn't aware of you know what what about animation was it that made it a a learning curve apart from learning animation as a whole does that make sense yeah I guess it's more like the the process that works for me because there's a lot of different approaches you can take with animation it's like different like uh, workflows I guess is yeah. the right word and like mm-hmm. trying to figure out which workflow works best for me yeah. for me it's um it's working in step keys if you know what that is and that's where you just like kind of snap from pose to pose okay. um and I find that the easiest but um I know some people prefer to just spline their animation which is just uh like the poses sort of like flow together mm-hmm. yeah I think it's just sort of like figuring that out like what works best for me and like what helps me make the like best work that I can yeah cool and and learning animation like that you know are you learning purely on the job or do you have like a mentor are you doing it outside learning or yeah so I I work on like personal projects in my own time um but a lot of my learning has happened on the job as well and like as I've like progressed in the last year I think I've been getting a bit more responsibility and a bit more like more complicated shots more animation heavy shots um as time has gone on so that's been nice and it's also like helped me like show that I'm actually improving as well brilliant brilliant good to hear thank you Tanisha what about you Christian what's the most important lesson you've learned over your career today mm, I was thinking about it and I think that nothing comes for granted and nothing is perfect like even though we're professionals the, the studio it's, it's huge and everything there's always like little details as an everyday life things that comes across and 
change the things, you need to suddenly change something that you were doing, or maybe you got a new shot and something is not working, the latest animation is not working, something. And then you need to adapt, troubleshoot, find answers, look what's wrong and improve it, change it, flag it, and move on. So I think as you expected, maybe things will run always super smooth, like, yeah. oh, everything is fine, it's perfect, no issues, but no, <laughs> it is not like that. It's a bumpy ride, a very interesting, very cool ride, but it's always a bit bumpy and you need to adapt to all those type of scenarios, learn about them and improving all of those little details that are yeah. coming across. And at what point did you learn that, Christian? You know, was it early on? Was it on the internship or was it later where you kind of, because it's quite hard, isn't it? When you work on something and then it gets changed or like, you know, maybe a shot gets emitted from a show. I mean, what, when did you learn that lesson? I think when the first time like, I actually realized that was my first show itself when I was working at Jingle Jangle. You were having some animations working and then suddenly it stops working and then it's like, no, you need to check why it's not working. It was working before, now it's not working. Mm -hmm. It's because of the new effects is happening. It's because something changed in the layout, something changed in the model. You, as an artist, did you move something in your lighting scenario that maybe it's breaking things up? And it was like, oh, wow, it's not just like lighting and publishing your shots and making it nice. It's like figuring out why this is not, not working. What happened? It, it was that. And then this is when I started realizing, oh, it's more like you need to start learning how to troubleshoot all those things. Because at the beginning, yes, you're a junior and you can ask your lead. But as soon as you're progressing, you cannot always ask your lead mm. to help you solve the issue. Like you need to learn how to find out, hey, this happened. It's because of this. Yeah. I already flag it or I already solved it. Wow. Yeah. And was Jingle Jangle your first big show that you worked on? Yes. Yeah. So good. Good you learned it in, on number one, credit number one. That's great. <laughs> that was my first credit, yeah. Okay, so what about you, Alex? What's your uh, what's your big, most important lesson that you've learned so far? Uh, I wouldn't get attached to your work so hmm. quick because things change a lot. For, uh, for example, there's a, a long shot that I was working on on a project uh, and I did a lot of set dressing and set layout and told some really cool little stories uh, in this little environment. And then slowly I learned about, <laughs> in the edit, it can just get cut. Um, and it wasn't the shot that was cut. It was just the start of the shot. It was just trimmed a little bit. And I started to lose it. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I spent a lot of time on that. And it's just gone. So you quickly learn to don't get attached to your work. But it's a really good lesson to learn yeah. early on. And it's not a bad thing because um, mm. it makes it keeps you on your feet. It makes you have lots of new ideas. And when that little area was that I had that was got pushed a little bit, I was like, oh, that's, I mean, that's fine. I can just work on other areas and apply what I did there to somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I would say that's the most important lesson. And when you submit things to dailies, something's always going to change. Yeah. Uh, when I Before I joined the industry, I didn't really have anyone telling me how to do my shots and how to do my environment. It was just what I wanted to do. Right. And then coming into the industry, it was like, oh, you need to change this, this, and this. And it was something, it wasn't It wasn't a difficult pill to swallow because I knew that was what it was going to be like, but it was yeah. definitely important that uh, people understand that like, uh, your work will change a, a lot and the shot can sometimes change completely from start to finish. Yeah, that's come up quite a few times on the podcast, actually. I remember last year we did the, uh, the Top Gun Maverick episodes and uh, Marco was talking about you know, how just a shot just wasn't there 
and he only found out when he was watching it in the cinema. It's like, where is it? And it's kind of hard, and he's quite seasoned, and uh, it's still no less heartbreaking. But it must be quite easier said than done, I guess, in, in terms of building resilience. Is that fair? You know, when you do work on something for such a long amount of time, and it does get cut, it doesn't make the final the final project. Yeah, I, people people would told me that like. Um don't spend too much time on things perhaps close to the edge of frame or close to the start yeah. of the frame range or close to the end of the frame range because that's the bit that's going to get trimmed. And ultimately, also, your, your shot can just be completely removed from an edit, mm. uh, which is just something something that happens. It's just yeah. part of the movie-making process. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, well, it's a good, it's a good lesson to learn, I guess. Uh, as disappointing as it can be, right? But uh, it's, what, it's the business, right? It's the, it's the film business. So, uh, yeah, good, good example. It keep, yeah, it keeps you on your toes. Yeah, Definitely, definitely. We don't get complacent. We don't believe our own hype too much when that happens as well, right? It kind of keeps us uh, keeps <laughs> us grounded. Yeah. Good, good. Okay, so that's the most important lesson. Uh, we touched on mentoring earlier, talking about the uh, the mentoring as part of the, the the Launchpad internship. And you don't necessarily have to name check your internship mentors, uh, but I'm very interested in hearing about who have been your most important professional mentors, uh, the three of you. And uh, perhaps we can start. And actually, let's go backwards. Let's uh, start with Alex. So, you know, who's been your most important professional mentor to date? I think probably uh, James and Emmerich and Environments were really helpful when I when I arrived. James was my assigned mentor who I would bombard with questions that about the pipeline. Um, yeah. Because when you're working on puzzle projects at home, you, you have a pipeline but it's basically saving a file to there and bringing it into a different yeah. piece of software. Uh, at Framestore, it's completely different. There's a whole um, hoops you have to jump through to make sure everything works for different departments. So I would bombard them both with hundreds of questions about how do I do this? How do I do this? Yeah. Uh, why isn't this working as it should? Or how, how I expected? And then Emmerich as well. Emmerich was luckily enough uh, behind me when I was working on uh, Civil War with him. Uh, lucky for me, perhaps unlucky for him. Uh, I asked him a, a lot of questions. I would turn around every 20 minutes and ask him probably something quite simple, but the benefit of hindsight. But in the moment, it wasn't. It was it was quite complicated. And it would, you know, if I didn't know the answer to this question, I couldn't do any work. Hmm. Uh, I asked them both a lot of questions. And they were both very patient and uh, very accommodating for everything I had to ask. And apart from what you've mentioned already about asking questions and then being accommodating and patient, you know, what else made them great mentors you know, for them to stand out above all of the mentors you've had over your education and your, your career? I think it's um, how they encourage you mm -hmm. as well or how they help you. So I would perhaps, if, for example, if I had a task to make a rock, it's what was really helpful is they would look at my method and they'll be like, okay, yeah, but you can do it this way and you can make 200 rocks and they will all look just as good and you can do it really quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of pushing you to learn new things and expand on, they'd, they'd perhaps give you a little bit of knowledge to start with, like uh, here's how you do something in Houdini. And then it'll be like, okay, well now you know how to do this. You can now give a, have a go at trying something more advanced and add that to some of your shots. And it was, it was stuff like that, which I found really helpful. Cool. It really builds on your knowledge. Yeah. So kind of pushing you, yeah, so you don't get kind of caught up in a comfort zone. Like that. Yes. Yeah. What about you, Tanisha? What are, what's, who's your most important mentor to date? So you mentioned him, I think, a bit earlier, but um, it would be Vincent Opetit, who oh, is nice. the creative director at FPS. And he was my he was my assigned mentor at uh, on the internship, but he was also, um, he gave us feedback at uni as well for my masterclass unit. Oh, brilliant. So I had spoken to him before. And then it would be Alex Coronis. Yeah. yeah, he was also my assigned mentor. Um, and 
Amory as well uh, was a shop creator who oh, yeah. sat behind me, I think, during the internship. And like, I just ask him for feedback on my animation. He's a great animator. Wow. So we've gone with three. So we've got two from Alex. So you guys are answering <laughs> the questions. I just wanted one. Uh, two from Alex, three from Tinisha. I'm expecting four from Christian. Um, but yeah, great. I mean, you know, they all deserve their place as great mentors, right? I mean, again, did they, is there one thing they all shared, one quality, all three of those names you mentioned that, that, that they shared as great mentors? Yeah. Again, as like Alex said earlier, but like it's the encouragement um, and the help and feedback that they would be more than willing to give and Alex always has like a plug-in or a shortcut or something to link me to um to make my life a bit easier in Maya um so that's always very useful brilliant and uh, I guess to both of you actually Alex and Tanisha you know the the, the names you've mentioned are you still do you still consider those folks part of your network not just within your team but in terms of do you still call on them now are you still kind of checking in with them now asking them all of those questions or have you superseded them (laughs) So Alex uh, Coronas was my lead on my first show after after oh, the internship. Great. So that was like a really nice, smooth transition. Really and nice. Vincent's actually been my supervisor on um, one of the shows I've worked on as well. So like it's I'm still getting feedback from them. And yeah. even when I'm not on like the same show, I can still like get ask for feedback or just have a chat about like work and the best way to do something. What a great continuation then. That's brilliant. What about you, Alex? I still every now and then I'll drop them a message saying how do I how do I do this or do you have any experience with doing this but yeah like environments uh, everyone is always available to help you yeah so to be honest like good to hear it's quite nice to be able to drop a message to anyone and be like how how can how can you help me brilliant brilliant that's good to hear good to hear what about you Christian then so I'm expecting four five maybe six mentors <laughs> who are the most important ones I had a lot of mentors. Definitely, uh, first name that comes to my mind is Bruno Laflamme, the guy that I was telling you, like he was at Montreal Studio since the beginning. Hmm. He is such a good artist. He knows everything. He, the way he was explaining us the pipeline, all the little details, how we should do it, how we should react. It was it was amazing. Like I have no words. I admire his job, his work a lot. I have the opportunity to work with him in a couple of shows as well. Funny enough, not that during that much time, because every time I join his show, then I move to another show. So it was like, mm-hmm. Bruno, after the internship, you and I cannot work more than one month or two months together. Then I move off to a different show. <laughs> but definitely, he will be my first person that I think as a mentor. But I have a couple of mentors, Nantini, Mathieu, uh, Javi, all of those non-official mentors, but they were all around us. Oh, nice helping us, teaching us, solving all of our questions. I'm super grateful with all of those guys. Mm. Every time I see them, I like, hey, I give them a hug, even though I'm a hugger. So like, I see them like, give me a hug. I'm super grateful with all of you <laughs> all the time. Yeah, it, it's really nice. And outside the internship, there's a lead that I've been working with him a couple of times. I've learned from him so much. Philippe is I think there's a nice chemistry working with them. Yeah. I as well admire that guy a lot. It's incredible. Yeah, I love that blend between uh, official mentors and unofficial mentors, like those folk that are assigned to you and then all of these this plethora of human beings who just come into your life professionally and uh, continue that supportive relationship. I think it's super inspiring. It's really cool. Yeah. And I love you going around hugging everyone, Christian. I've got visions <laughs> of you as, just roaming the Montreal, just hugging it out. It's great. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, watch out, he's coming. Um, okay, so the next question is the advice question. Uh, and the, traditionally, we'd always ask, what is one piece of advice you'd give to someone starting out in your field? But I'm going to change it a little to focus on Launchpad, because that's why we're here today. And I'm going to ask, uh, kind of looking back, is there any advice you would give to future interns considering the Launchpad program? So uh, I'm going to ask Christian first, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who is listening to this, considering applying? I will do, work on your strength, like do a, a, a demo or something that is really on your strength and try to challenge yourself as well when you were doing it. So aim for something that you know you can do, but it will cost you a little work to do it. Like mm. exceed your expectations trying while applying because that's what I did basically. I yeah. I knew what I was able to do and I wanted to do more of that. I wanted to add a little twist to, to the project at the end. I was like, you know, I can do some lighting. Let's do something different with my lighting. Something I've never done before, but I think I can do it. Mm. Something unexpected and work hard on it. Like, So you think that I got their attention then? So you yeah. did something that was completely unexpected? Yes, well, at least I thought it was unexpected. I, I had a little nice scenario and then I naturally was shifting the lights. And then we, I went from a daily scenario to one night scenario with extra lights coming up. A nice smooth transition. I think it was original at that time. I don't know if it was, but I think it got the attention and it got me the, the internship. But I was like, I want to push myself to try something new, something different and work on my skills. And if they do get, so right, so they've taken your advice this hypothetical person they've got the job or they've got the internship mm -hmm. what do they do to make the most of the experience once they're in ask a lot of questions i know that's, 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 that's ask the podcast all the questions you can <laughs> yes now ask all the questions you can there's never enough questions there's always something to learn mm. don't be shy just ask the questions right and it's only eight weeks so you've got to just lean into it right yeah that's great love that Okay, excellent. So Alex, uh, same uh, double-barreled question to you. Is uh, any advice for somebody considering applying for the Launchpad? Uh, if it's like between yes or no, if that's what I like, absolutely apply. Yeah. But I think what I would say is know what you want to do. Mm. Um, don't go in, at least from my perspective, working in environments and applying for an environments position. Yeah. Don't stretch yourself too thin. Like I said before, like environments is really broad. It covers so much stuff. Um, like my personal project, for example, was something I hadn't done before, but is a huge part of environments. It was like interior environments, which I, I had previously only done outdoors. Um, so my portfolio was, uh, off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure it was entirely outdoor environments. Um, so focus, I would say, focus on a strong portfolio and focus on a particular thing and get a couple of pieces out yeah. like that. And I think that will really, really help people. And yeah, I don't know, knowing what you want to do, I think perhaps applying with i want to do anything i don't think that will be as strong as saying i will know what i want to do i want to do environments or i want to do animation i want to do this that's what i would suggest that's great advice and uh for successful applicants how do they get the most out of their eight weeks oh i feel <laughs> i'm gonna say the same thing again but ask so many <laughs> questions uh yeah eight weeks it sounds like a long time like eight weeks from now it sounds like ages away but eight weeks is it flies by so quickly I remember when we were interning, it was like the end of our second week and it had come around so quick. And I was like, oh, we've got uh, five weeks left or five days left to finish our personal project. And it's like, oh, this is really quick. So learn as much as you can and ask 
so many questions and at one point you will stop on questioning yourself and being uh, and say like i must be the most annoying person in this department asking questions but no yeah keep keep asking questions it's that's what you're there for um no one's expecting like the greatest piece of environment or character animation that they've ever seen you're you're there to learn yeah so unless you're asking yourself I'm, I'm the most annoying person in the building. You're doing something wrong, right? Yeah. So you need to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah I love that. <laughs> Excellent. That's a good litmus test for uh, for Launchpad interns. Uh, so Tanisha, yes, your advice then for somebody considering applying for the Launchpad internship, what advice would you give those people out there? I think it would be that um, it's okay if you're not as prepared as you like, because mm-hmm. your standards are always going to be so much higher. Like they're always going to be higher. Like no matter what you have when you're applying, you're going to probably be saying that like oh I could have done that better or I could have done this better I just think like it's okay if your reel isn't up to your standards and you should just apply with what you've got especially if the deadline's are like the next day which is when I applied for the <laughs> launchpad internship um so yeah it's okay like don't overthink it too much just go for it and to also be open-minded as well because uh kind of on the same line as what Alex was saying about like focusing um your application Mm. you can i think check two or three different departments when you're applying obviously you can if you keep them like more focused or more like similar then i think you've probably got a better shot but um you do have two or three different departments so like maybe you can you can be a bit flexible there great advice and uh same question uh how do they make the most of it once they're successful for that eight weeks so i was gonna say the same thing as um both Christian and Alex, but, but I guess like for a successful app, can, you're probably going to have a lot of um, imposter syndrome mm-hmm. um, coming in. And the best advice I got for this was that was actually from someone like a senior artist. And he was, um, he was just like to me that it never goes like <laughs> imposter syndrome. You've okay. still got it. Like card carrying um, member. You might be here. 10 years, you might be 10 years into the industry and you're still going to have it. Mm. Um, so I guess my advice would just be like, it's okay. You're, you've got it. Everyone's got it. Um, so just have fun, ask questions. Don't, don't be too worried about things and just yeah. enjoy your time on the internship. That's a really good point. I think we're, one thing I've learned over the years, and I've got, I'm quite an old man now is, is I've, I've almost regressed a bit. Like I think when I started my career 20, nearly 30 years ago now, it was almost, I had to be the expert and I had to, you could never show any kind of weakness. And I'm going to be turning 50 this year. And probably in the last three, four years, I've almost kind of gone in, in a different direction now. And I'm, I've almost seen myself as a novice again and reframing everything as a challenge and making sure I ask all the questions. And you mentioned, uh, Christian, you mentioned curiosity earlier, like, you know, approaching everything with a healthy dose of curiosity because you're always on a learning curve. I don't care how old you are or how seasoned you are, or how long you've been in the industry, whether it's a short tenure or 50 years in the game, you know, you're always learning so i agree i think imposter syndrome is seen as a negative thing and i think it gives you this kind of humility almost people who don't have imposter syndrome tend to be the most annoying people in the room or the biggest egos in the room if that makes sense um so i think uh, owning that imposter syndrome as a positive i think is a, is a key um but a great answer thank you tanisha that's great good answers guys you're smashing this there's some knowledge bombs being dropped left right and center here um so i'm going to move neatly into my next question, which is always an interesting one. I'm always keen to hear the answer to this one, which is uh, what's one question you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered it? So I'm either doing a brilliant job and I'm covering all bases 
or there's that one question that you're dying to answer, but it's just not there. So Alex, tell me, what's one question you wish I'd asked you? Uh, I was actually going to uh, say uh, the greatest challenges of working as a junior, mm. and it was kind of going to come right back to what Tanisha was saying about imposter syndrome. Um, I Like you guys just said, it is something that I'm pretty sure everybody has at some point, and they probably maybe still do. But I would, I think I can say with relative confidence that most people have imposter syndrome working in visual effects, and it's completely normal. And like as you guys said, if uh, if you if you don't feel like you have imposter syndrome, something's not quite right, <laughs> or perhaps <laughs> like yeah, it's it's really common and it's perfectly normal. Because I remember when I was there, uh, I'd been offered the position uh, on Launchpad. And I think the first thing, one of the first things I did was go on LinkedIn and find all of the other applic- all, all of the other um, successful applicants. Oh, okay. And I would, it was really unhealthy. Uh, first, one of the first things I did was look at everyone else's portfolios, oh, and I was no. like, oh, and I was like, oh my god, these guys are these guys are amazing. Like, wh- why me? Um, it's really unhealthy, um, but it's perfectly normal to like go through this uh, feeling of inad- inadequacy. Yeah. You're definitely not inadequate because you've been, you, you're working at Framestore. But yeah, it's it's normal for imposter syndrome. Yeah. How did it feel walking through the doors at Chancery Lane on that first day? Oh, really weird. Sorry. No, uh, <laughs> it was yeah, it was really strange because um, you got like the the, uh, the big Paddington print and the yeah. James Bond print. And I was like, oh, like, oh, this is, this is, obviously it, I knew it was serious beforehand, but like until you were mm. like there and you're like in this huge building and it's like, oh, this is. This is like really quite something else. Um, mm. Very special, very uh, nerve wracking, but those feelings were quickly put aside once you meet everybody else in the team. And yeah, yeah that's great. Cool. No, thank you for answering that, Alex. Sorry, I'm throwing these curveball questions that I haven't said. That's okay. Around, so you answered that beautifully. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, uh, Christian, same question. You know, what's one question you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered? How was it a feeling during my first day at Framestore? Like actually what you were saying just right before, mm, what, yeah. what, what, what you're feeling? And I remember as I didn't get the internship right away, it, it took me like a, a call two weeks later to be notified that I got the internship. I was worried mm. about having another lighting intern with me. I was like, oh, is this going to be like a competition? What's going to happen? Like, Yes, because right. exactly. Yeah. I was like, oh god, the guy that took my <laughs> my my position first. So I was really nervous. I remember, and then he and I became really cool friends, and and it was really nice. Being nervous at the beginning, arriving at the studio, feel everything is a bit overwhelming, and when you finally sit down in your computer and you have your screens and they open the project and you're like oh wow this is huge like so many things that you need to learn that you need to do that yeah and i'm gonna be able to actually do it like that type of feeling it, it's, yeah. it's oh, it, it, i remember that okay tanisha tell me about uh, the one question you wish i'd asked you and how would you have answered it i suppose it would be about teamwork and oh, working in a team nice um because that's a lot of what we do is working in teams and yeah, just saying that it's fun um, and it's really important to improve your communication skills like from, from the start of your career because, yeah. you know, you have to communicate to work in a team. You have to, uh, if you've got a problem, you have to ask because people are so quick to help out. There's no point in you just um, you know, losing brain cells over something simple that someone has also dealt with already. Mm. Um, and your team's always going to be changing like, from the shows or even within the show as well 
and you're always going to get like different views and perspectives on the same things um and that's fun and then yeah also like you sometimes get to collaborate with people in other departments which is fun like um me and Alex have actually worked on the same show together briefly when he was in previous um so that was fun oh also my first day at frame store was obviously same as Alex's but it was I should say it was the hottest day of the year and we walked to the studio and um I was very sweaty and so like I think the whole thing felt like a hallucination and a dream (laughs) as well it is kind of like, because um, it's all kind of my experience of walking into Framestore, even pre- before I joined Framestore years ago and I walked in and it's Chancery Lane at least, it's kind of all glass. I get a sense there's not a brick anywhere. It feels like some kind of magical palace or something. Like it's just all shards of glass. That was my my memory. And it's so transparent. You can see all the lifts and it was this big, I can see why that would be overwhelming. Yep. <laughs> in a good way. Whelming. <laughs> regular whelmed but yeah great answer for sure and i'll throw you an, an off kilter uh, question as well okay. to because I, I did that unfairly to alex <laughs> so i should do it to you as well as you talked about kind of the team working experience and uh, mm-hmm. i don't like those people that know me that know i don't like using the word soft skills i think it devalues them so i like to call them human skills so what uh it was the most valuable team working human skill you developed from day one to now it's probably just being um I kind of mentioned it before but being okay with uh saying that you're struggling with something or like I don't know why this isn't working is anyone else having the same issue and I think at first I was afraid to say to admit that I'm struggling Mm -hmm. but then the second I did and then people's replied to you on the group chat they're like oh me too like I've I had this and like it just makes it so much easier after that yeah, that's a real mentoring trait, actually. It's, I forgot what it's called. It's not self-deprecation, but it is kind of saying that, you know, if somebody says, oh, I'm struggling with this, you can go, yeah, I did too, or I do all the time, you know, and there's something about it kind of levels the playing field because, you know, when yeah. you think about we're working with senior folk or people more experienced than you, you put them on this kind of platform and actually they've been there. They've dealt with the same challenges as you, but when they tell you, it's quite a powerful thing for you as the kind of mentee. You also find out like, quicker ways of doing things as well because maybe you were doing something like in a very long-winded way and the more you communicate the more you just you're humble about your work you're gonna find out a lot more about how to do it a lot better yeah totally totally self-disclosure was the word I was looking for self-disclosure you're disclosing and I can name so many senior people here and external I run the access vfx podcast and didn't do much of them last year but we always ask do you suffer from imposter syndrome and every supervisor Every EP, every MD we spoke to all said, yes, nobody ever says no. So it's, hearing that is, again, really empowering, I think, um, when, it, when it does happen. So uh, excellent. Well, well handled. Um, so we're going to get into kind of some more of the kind of relaxed questions now as we get uh, towards the end of uh, part two of the episode. And this is always an interesting one, which is who would you like to hear on the podcast and why? You know, who should I be uh, targeting? Um, so I'm going to ask uh, Christian. Who would you like me to uh, hassle and target to get get on the pod this year? Um, it needs to be somebody at, for the Framester family. It could be somebody outside the Framester family. Ooh, good question. I mean, typically the Frame Framestore podcast is made by Framestore for Framestore, as per as per my yeah. intro at the top of the episode. But you know, we could uh, we could diversify the the guest list. I would like. Maybe if you could have the chance to speak with one of the directors of the projects that we actually worked on and oh God, have wow. a nice 
interview with them. Ooh. Like that type of thing. So they're still related to Trimster, but it's a bit outsourced. So how they see us and how they, how's their experience. Ooh. So the actual directors. Why not? The directors of the, yes. the show. Wow. Crikey. That would, that would do, that would do wonders for my imposter syndrome, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like the sound of that. I'm going to hold that. Yeah, let me let me see what influence I have outside of the Frame Store podcast. Thank you, Christian. <laughs> the strings, move your strings. Exactly, exactly. You're the puppet master. How about you, Tanisha? Who would you like to hear on the podcast next, and why? So I don't know specifically who this would be, but um, I would be interested in seeing uh, hearing from uh, IA from the IA department. Um, okay. So advertising, I. I think the short form projects that Framestore does are like really cool advertising, um, especially like the design team. I think Ooh, they do some like really cool short things. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of their work. Amazing, so be Love cool that. to hear. Yeah, good. Yeah, we, you know, apart from uh, I mean, we had Carl Woolley on last year, but yeah, he's obviously gone beyond design. Um, but yeah, we've um, yeah we've had quite a lot of IA folk on the podcast, but not in from the design team specifically. So that could be really cool for sure. So I'll uh, I'll share with you the episodes after the uh, the podcast, Tanisha, so you can do your sweet have a have a good listen. Uh, thank you, Tanisha and uh, Alex. Who would you like to hear on the pod? Who have you got in mind? Um, it's kind of from a, I. It's funny, but I can't quite remember. That. I'm sure is it immersive? The people who do yeah, the roller coasters. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know that was a job before. Attractions. Um, yeah. yeah, when we were interning, we'd have a presentation. Uh, I think it was. Can't remember guys if I'm wrong. It was like every week. Um, there'd be like uh, someone would give you a, a specialist talk from a department, and then one week it was the, the team that works on designing roller coasters and mm. the interactivity for that. And I was like, "This, there's no way this is like." I had no idea this was a thing, um, but of course someone's got to do it. I just never kind of put two and two together. That Framestore would probably do it as well, um, yeah. but I think it'd be cool to hear from them because that's something I know that's literally nothing about, and I would have never even thought about. That's all right. That was a big draw uh, for, to Framestore for me was. Yeah, we do commercial work. We do, you know, t- uh, film episodic and roller coasters or theme park ride. I just think it's such a kind of bizarre but super cool kind of uh, thing to to be involved in. So yeah, great shout! Thank you, Alex. Love it, love it. Okay, right. So we're moving into the the question that um, everybody tunes in to listen to. It's the reason why the podcast exists in many ways, which is the uh, the desert island dish question. Um, so I'm going to start with going to start with tanisha if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life what would it be it's very hard um but i'm a vegetarian so it makes it a bit easier okay um so that would be spaghetti probably i like spaghetti yeah i like spaghetti too how would you have the spaghetti with the sauce hopefully um if not it's okay (laughs) (laughs) can't you say with the sauce i mean this is if this is kind of like real world and you can only eat one meal for the rest of your life you've got to be specific on the sauce i'm afraid on the specific on the sauce Uh, that's hard um toughy isn't it it's the most difficult question of the whole set isn't it i mean maybe just like a basic tomato sauce that would be quite nice but like basic tomato sauce yeah okay no judgment here yeah can't think of any others. Okay, so Tanisha's going for spaghetti with a basic tomato sauce. You could have anything. It's a bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the first podcast of 2024, so I'm expecting to kind of up our game after that one. <laughs> Thank you, Tanisha. Only joking, only joking. Um, Christian, what could you live on for the rest of your life? I will go with the typical Colombian dish that we have. That's called arepas. Mm. Rounded corn meal base full of cheese. Usually we have it for breakfast or dinner, but I will have it 
every time of the day, I will get tired of that. I will get fat probably, but yeah. I'll never get tired of them. It's a lot of cheese. And what what are they exactly? Is it kind of like? Can you explain the dish to to me in a bit more detail? I've never heard of this one. Think about like a type of bread, but it's based on corn. Oh yeah. Yep. So you use corn flour uh, with a bit of butter. You put it on the pan. You add cheese in the middle. So when it's fully cooked, you just open it and the cheese is melting. Rounded, small. So it, it's the perfect size. This two adipos are very fulfilling. Nice. Ah, it's so good. When was the last time you had it? When I went back to Colombia, so that was for before Christmas. Okay, so you can't get any. Yeah, you can't get it kind of outside of Colombia. Then you have to go. I guess you wouldn't want to, right? I mean, I can buy the uh, the corn flour, so I can make it at home. But still, I don't make them that often yeah. because I definitely will get fat. <laughs> but uh, no, I love them. I love them so much. At least I think I eat once per week for sure. Okay. And you cook it yourself. I mean, I don't know if this is something like a family dish or something you yeah. you got made for you. But yeah, cool. Nice one. I love that. Okay, so we've got two dishes. Alex, we're going for a strong finish. What's your uh, desert island dish? Oh, it's, quite a, it's quite a hard one. But the other day, I made a really nice chili. Um, oh, okay. And I'll be honest, I'd quite happily eat that for, the, <laughs> for quite a while. Um, it's not particularly special. But it's just nice to know at the end of the day. Especially I don't you. have to go and cook, and I've got it in the fridge. I can microwave it, and it's it's quite nice. Yeah, I like that. So it's delicious and practical. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's a complete meal, isn't it? Chili. You've got everything going on in there. It's, it's healthy enough. Yeah. What was your secret ingredient, and it made it? What it's made the podcast. So it's got to be special. So what's the? Oh, what made um, it? What gave it the edge <laughs> over previous chilies? Uh, my flatmate said, came downstairs and went, "Oh, that looks really good." And that was made, that made it like, oh, thanks. Ah, so the compliment, the compliment gave it the Yeah, edge. everyone, in, well, all of my flatmates are very good cooks. One of them is Spanish and the other one's Italian. Um, so it's quite a, quite a high bar in, in, in my yeah, flat. To, high praise. To, uh, so yeah, it's quite nice high praise to hear that my chili looks quite good from it. someone who generally doesn't like my Excellent. cooking. I, I love the, the secret. Yeah. <laughs> the secret ingredient is praise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little pinch of praise. Brilliant. Great answers, guys. Thank you. Could I change my answer? Okay, let's rewind. (laughs) Again, you're on thin ice. Am I allowed? (laughs) I guess. We're here already. Yes, of course, Tanisha. Come on then. Let's let's move on. After after I had Christian's answer and Alex's answer, I was like, oh, I've got got a better answer. Um, So it would be Pani Puri. So that's like a Indian uh, street dish. Yeah, it's like this uh, pastry bread. I should probably ask my family or something what it actually is but um it's like a puffed sphere and it's filled with like potatoes and like coriander and like chili and chutney and and then you put this like tamarind sauce yeah. in it um plus like a mint sauce a uh, mint water uh sorry and then you just like pop the whole thing in your yeah. mouth and it's very nice that sounds dreamy and is that something that gets made for you is that like uh, yes like but i've comfort? i've helped out like it's it's like a family dish okay. so that we just we sometimes it's like it's dinner time down. that's all we have like just 10 plates of this oh my god um <laughs> sounds delicious i love that much better than uh, spaghetti with a basic spaghetti, tomato sauce yeah. so uh, thank you for, for sharing that tanisha yeah. three super strong uh, additions and rightly so for our first episode of the year so my final final ish question i've got one that i haven't 
prepared you for. So sorry, I'm going to throw all of these uh, curveballs at you, at the three of you. But the the question that we continue to ask, which was isn't officially part of the questions, but I ask it anyway, is getting additions to the Frame Store uh, daily Spotify playlist. So it started on episode one, all the way back in November 2022 with uh, Sergio Gonzalez's first episode. And his question I wish I'd asked him was, what does he listen to while he's working? So he gave me a couple of tracks and then we just built on it. And it's a very eclectic playlist, as you can imagine. So, uh, Christian, what music, what track or tracks do you listen to when you're working? If you do, you might not. I sometimes listen to music like 50% of the time. But honestly, it's a roller coaster of music. It, It changes so drastically that people sometimes ask like, are you serious mixing like classic rock with reggaeton and then you have something like very popish like oh, i don't know it's just a mess but i like my, my music right so I, it's it's a huge variety of rhythms okay is there any particular track you listen to right now that you're into that i can add to the playlist or shall i follow it with you afterwards actually i've been very addicted to murder the dancer again oh you've been <laughs> because, watching Saltburn. <laughs> exactly so i've had that song in my mind lately so I've been listening to it a lot lately. <laughs> me, me too, me too. I can't get it out of my head at the moment. Amazing, great choice and very on on trend. Thank you, Christian. <laughs> uh, what about you, Alex? Can you give us a track that you are listening to while you're uh, in, absorbed in your environment's work? It's Chicago by Sufan Stevens because ah, I, I just finished watching The Bear. Oh, what a show! It's it's such a good show, but it's I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's great to listen to the music from the show because it's so incredibly stressful to watch. But, yeah, uh, I really like the music in it, so I've been listening to that. That's a, a nice lot. track, particularly on that soundtrack. I listened to the full. There's, there's something on Spotify which is all the music from the Bear. I was obsessed with that show, and I'm still looking for an excuse to rewatch it. I think it's incredible television. It's so good. I love it. I know. I've never watched anything that is so stressful but so comforting. It's yeah, weird. Like, it's, it really it, stresses me out. <laughs> It's a bit of a roller coaster, but I, I, yeah. it's really good. When they're preparing the food and there's these moments of calm or these emotive moments as well, I think it's, it's amazing. It's, it's uh, yeah, I'm due a rewatch. Wow, so we're, we're referencing, it's basically the uh, the Golden Globes, isn't it? We're, we're talking yeah. Saltburn <laughs> was nominated, you know, Bear swe- uh, swept the boards. Um, so we'll add Chicago by Sufjan Stevens. And Tanisha, what have you got for us while you're pre-vising? What, uh, what's your top track at the moment? So this might not be very popular, but it would be... I have a Mario playlist that I listen to. Um, it's quite stressful sometimes um, <laughs> because it's quite fast paced. Um, but I, I love uh, Rainbow Road Lap 3. Um, <laughs> it stresses me out, but it makes me get things done, you know, especially when we've got a deadline coming at 4 p.m. later that day. It's It helps me be more efficient. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. What a great shout. We've never had anything like that before. I'm adding it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm also listening to the Blue Eye Samurai sound- soundtrack, if you've heard yes, of the show. I know the show, yeah. It's a very good soundtrack. Is that worth watching? Yes, I recommend I'm not it. I'm that out, yeah. It's on my list. I love that. Oh, wow, listen to Mario, game, gaming music. I might try that when I'm trying to hit a deadline, just to kind of up my game a little bit. Brilliant. It helps. Yeah. Love it, love it. What great ex- examples. They're all going to land on the uh, the Dailies playlist next, well, not next week. We're recording this the week previous, but they will be there. The link's in the show notes. Enjoy these amazing tracks, among others as well. So that brings us to the end of the podcast. Now, before I let you go uh, on this second part of our episode, I wanted just to ask you a cheesy question because we're here to celebrate the Launchpad. It's out there in the world. 
if you're listening, please stay tuned because in the pre-recorded outro, I will talk about how you can apply, where you can apply, closing days, all of that stuff, which I won't bore the three of you with. But my question is, um, can you leave our listeners with one word, one word that describes your experience on the Framestore Launchpad internship? Alex, tell me what one word sums up your experience? Can I change it slightly and be like one word I would tell to people? That's fine. We can have that. Does that count? It would be, it would simply, it would just be relax. Nice. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Just chill out. Big capital letters. T-shirt slogan. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Love it. Thank you, Alex. Tanisha, one word. What you got? Probably epic. Epic. Great word. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool, the internship. Epic. Relax. Christian, going to complete the triangle. What have you got? I will say fun. Nice. It was really fun. If that doesn't sell in the internship, I don't know what will. Epic, relaxing and fun. Brilliant. Well, Tanisha, Christian, Alex, thank you so much for giving up almost two hours of your time. I know you're all working on shows. You're all super busy. Your time is appreciated. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Again, Christian, Tanisha, Alex, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to the three of you. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, I'll see you around. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Goodbye. Well, that concludes this week's Launchpad Internship Special with our brilliant intern alumni. To get involved in this year's program, check out the link provided in the show notes of this episode for comprehensive details about the program and the application process. This year, we're offering summer internships across various disciplines, including production, animation, modeling, rigging, texture, creature effects, lighting, FX, environments, digital matte painting, compositing, concept, design, and real time. If you're in the final year of your degree or have graduated within the last 12 months, please seize this opportunity to be part of the 2024 Launchpad. Kindly be aware that the deadline for applications is March 22nd, 2024. A massive thank you to Tanisha, Alex and Christian for agreeing to come on the podcast, Ian Landman and Sky Chappelle for suggesting we do some Launchpad episodes. And as always, a big shout out to Sam Sosnowski from the Global Training Team for another killer edit. In just two weeks, we return with another inspiring conversation from our global Framestore community. Until then, take care and thanks for listening. Thank you.